Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows through each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. You can't be cheeky about Circle Talk, and I continue to be the host for this fun discussion show on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Wednesdays features a new show, Circle's Nature, with none other than Selena Fox. The third Fridays of each month feature Blue Marble, an eco-educational, eco-activism, and eco-spirituality podcast. We have such a fun and informative line of shows, and we here at CSMP hope that you try them all. Celebrate the March full moon online with Circle Sanctuary Community. The theme is Springtime Second and takes place on Tuesday, March 7th. Full moon circles begin at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain, or 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Our full moon circles include invocations, music, meditations, poetry, reflections, and ritual workings. They are facilitated by Reverend Judith and Selena Fox and other members of the Circle Sanctuary community. Those on, who join us online are invited to bring a candle to candle during the ritual, and you're invited to interact with others on the chat on YouTube. Attendance is free, and there's no registration required. For more information, go to our website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Do you and your friends get together to celebrate full moons or Sabbaths? Would you like to learn techniques and suggestions about group work or spell work? Then you will be glad you joined us tonight on Circle Talk because we're going to talk with author Deborah Blake about her new book, The Witch's Coven, which is the magic for two or more. This book is a valuable resource for both traditional and eclectic magical practitioners looking for a modern, spiritual approach to group activities. Deborah Blake is the author of a dozen books on modern witchcraft. She's been a frequent guest, and she's a wonderful author. So I highly encourage everyone to run out and get her new book, which is The Everyday Witch's Coven. She's also written the little book of Cat Magic, Everyday Witchcraft, as well as the claims Everyday Witchcraft Hello and Everyday Witch Oracle. And she also has another book that, she's gonna, that she published, and she's going to talk about that too. She's also written through to a normal romance and urban fantasy series for Berkeley and her new Cozy Mystery series slash with Forbidden Fatality in 2021. Deborah lives in a 130-year-old farmhouse in upstate New York with numerous cats who supervise all her activities, both magical and mundane. If you want more information, she's going to talk a little bit later. She's on Facebook, Instagram, but if you want to know how to get her in all those places, go to her website www.deborahblakeauthor.com and that is D-E-B-O-R-A-H-B-L-A-K-E-N-U-T-H-O-R.com. So let's welcome Deborah to Circle Talk. Hi. Um, just so you know, you sound very fuzzy to me. Uh, it's kind of unclear. Is this better? It's a little bit better, yeah. It, it might be because it's storming at my house. So I had my headset on. I thought there was an echo. So let me put my headset on. No, I, I didn't hear an echo. You just sounded fuzzy and far away like you were on the moon. Yeah. yeah. Huh. How's this? Is this better? That's much better, yes. Thank you. Okay. All right. Good enough. All right. Yeah, um, where I live, when it storms, the wind blows, it seems like my lights go out, too. So anyway... Oh, I understand completely. You know, every time I I make this kind of a like appointment to be online or or you know on the radio, I'm like, please let the power be on. In fact, I was supposed to do <laughs> one the other day, and my internet was out. I didn't even have uh, any way to to like contact the poor woman who was expecting me and say I'm not coming because I had no nothing. So isn't that so yeah. Feel your pain, but thank you for having me back on Circle Talk. I'm so happy to be here. Well, you're a favorite author, so I'm very, very excited. Uh, and this is a brand new book. Tell us, 
it just was published, like this year, right? Or, or oh yeah, year? It, it came out like less than a month ago. You guys are right on top of things. Um, yeah, it's it's brand spanking shiny new. Um, it's you know it's uh, it's actually um, a real passion work for me because the first book I ever did for Llewellyn, which I wrote in 2005 and came out in 2007, because people don't realize it, but it takes about two years from from selling mm-hmm. a book to actually having the thing come out, um, was a book on coven work. It was called Circle, Coven, and Grove, a year of magical practice, and it was um, based on the first year that I spent um, as high priestess to my own group, Blue Moon Circle. Um, it was a year of uh, full moons, new moons, and Sabbaths, and some advice and things about you know how to start a coven, what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically the book that I wrote because when I started my own group after many years of being with somebody else's group, that was the book I wished I had. Yeah, you know, it was like, oh, if only somebody would hand me that first year, you know, so I didn't have to like come up with it all from scratch. And you know, that was a book that was really you know something that people loved. Even people who weren't in covens found the rituals useful, and it was great. And it's still a great book. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's actually being uh, reissued by um, Cross Crow Books, which is going to be really fun. But what mm-hmm. I realized about a year and a half ago was that what with one thing or another, you know, that was 2005, and you know, now we're talking, you know, 2021 ish. Mm-hmm. Um, that my personal practice had changed the way that my coven practiced had changed and really witchcraft itself because it is still a a sort of a growing and changing Mm -hmm. spiritual practice you know it changes all the time which is wonderful i mean i it evolves it's it's like this living being um you know, it's not it's not stuck in any one path or pattern, but what it means is that some of the stuff that um, I do now wasn't included in that book, and things that other people that I I know and am and you know close to the way they mm-hmm. practice wasn't included in that book, and I went well maybe it's time for a new book. There you go. We're really, really excited, um, and it's interesting. Um, I think that um, solitary and coven tends to there tends to sometimes be a trend. Do you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. covens are very important, and then and then there's solitary, and there's like that. Um, something that I really liked about your book, and and you can talk about it, is that. Um, Many people feel like you have to be like an official witch if you're in a coven, which is not true. And no. that, um, you did a really good job. First, the beginning, a lot of people think that covens are like a formal thing, and, and many are, especially if they're. And yeah, a I mean, there's a whole process. range. Right. You know, you can but, you can go from completely informal to completely formal. And there's a whole lot in between, which was one of the things that when I wrote my book, I was coming from a, a you know a fairly Wiccan approach because that was what I was mm-hmm. taught. The the coven that I was trained in, it was not classic Wiccan in some ways because we just had a high priestess. We you know we had mm-hmm. some guys who would act as high priests, but it wasn't it wasn't you know as formal. formal yeah. Uh, it yeah. was a little bit more eclectic than some of the traditional things. But my high priestess had come up through a traditional Wiccan you know, background, and a lot of what we studied and, and learned was pretty Wiccan in orientation, mm-hmm. which, you know, don't get me wrong, I, I still have a very Wiccan flavor 
to my magical practice. And right. there are plenty of people who still are doing traditional Wicca, and if that works for you, that's fabulous. It doesn't work for everybody, and I think right. there were people who felt like they couldn't be in a coven if they weren't Wiccan, and that's, that's completely not true. Um, right. You know, because because what we saw, what we you know, what we you know, were were taught in the earlier days of witchcraft um, was was very you know Wicca oriented, and these days I think there's a shift towards a more eclectic mm-hmm. approach for some people, um, and if that's what people are looking for, then this book gives them some options that might not be as traditional. But if they if they work for you, then you know that's what matters. My my whole entire approach to witchcraft really is if it feels right and it works for you and it doesn't hurt you or anybody else, then you're good. You know there there really are very few rules at, other than the whole don't go hurting anybody. Um, you know harm right. none. That's you know that's my big one and. and Frankly, not even everybody agrees with that. But you know, for yeah. me, that's that's my my starting point is you know harm none, including yourself. But beyond that, you know, I I know witches whose only you know, practice is to go out and stand in the woods or stand under the full moon. And if mm-hmm. that's what works for you, that's great. I also know witches who do spellcraft very often and do formal rituals very often and if that's what works for you well that's great there's a lot of stuff in the middle absolutely and and again you do a a really good job of taking someone who like um you know how often should you meet you give examples of places you can meet you really um um, I uh, actually had was reading this book when I was teaching a class, and so I got to introduce your book and talk about it a little bit. Yay! And, uh, again, a lot of people, um, I teach a public cups class, and which you mentioned in your book about you, you. Um, yep. And a lot yeah, of people... Yeah, I, I put on a number of rituals at, at our local UU, and, and they were very welcoming and wonderful. Absolutely. But a lot of people, it's funny, are looking to find a coven, and I don't know that people think about being a coven. Uh, and and so I actually suggested to people, like, hey, if, you know, two or three of you all, you know, you want to meet and study and do ritual, you should just kind of do your own thing and form that and, and see how that goes. And so, yeah, so actually we talked about this with your book so that uh, it really helps people get a um, kind of a instruction manual on how to start. Well, that was one of the things I wanted to address more in this book than I did in the first one, in part because I've learned a lot over the last bunch of years, you know, and I learned from going to other people's covens, which sometimes didn't work as well, but mm-hmm. didn't work. Um, and and from, you know, my, I mean, my my coven, we started in spring of 2004. If you can believe it, and mm-hmm. so you know, this spring will be what is that? Nineteen years, um, and we've hit rough patches. We've had issues. We've had things that we tried that didn't work for us. We've had things that we had to, you know, shift and change. And so I try to address some of those issues, you know, so that. So that you know, when you sit down to, to start a coven or you look at maybe possibly joining a coven that already exists, you could look at these things that maybe you wouldn't think of, like how often are we expected to meet and mm-hmm. whose house are we going to meet at and are right. we going to be open to new people or are we going to be closed? Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that, it's really good if you can have those conversations to begin with. You know, if, you, if you're starting your own group, you sit down with the people you're starting the group with and you say, okay, 
you know, how often does everybody want to meet? And you're not always all going to agree, you know. Right. Some people are going to have busier schedules, and you may have to compromise and say, okay, the majority of us want to meet twice a month. We want to meet for full mm-hmm. moon and whatever holiday is, there is or something mm-hmm. else. But we understand that not everybody is going to make it to every single ritual, and we're going to be okay with that. If you're a coven that really wants people to come for every single ritual, then you're going to have to agree on a schedule that works for everyone, which which gets mm-hmm. trickier. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things that people don't really think about. I mean, there certainly were things I did not think about when I started my group, and we just we just figured it out over time, and we were lucky enough that, you know, we were able to sort of roll with the the changes. You know, some covens, if you, if you don't communicate well, that can tear a group apart. It's it's really like any other relationship, whether it's a family or you know a romantic relationship or roommates or anything else. Good communication is the key to success. Whatever else you decide to do, if you can talk about it, if you can say if you're unhappy in a non-confrontational way, if you can say, I know we said we were going to meet twice a month, but I'm finding that to be a little bit much, you know, my my kids are yanking on me, my Mm -hmm. husband's complaining, my job is too hard, whatever, you know, would people mind if we just went to once a month? If you can say that before it gets to be overwhelming and people explode, then you're likely to survive the ups and downs of being in a group together. Absolutely. And I have um, been both a solitary and in coven um, with a tradition and eclectic, and I have been in several covens, and I have had the um, sad but life-changing experience of being in a coven that blew up. So It's not fun. Uh, it no, is it's, not it's fun. painful. And for me, what I learned is I turned around and immediately just went to another coven, and, and I didn't allow myself time to grieve, and that was a bad experience. So, so yeah, it is. It, 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 it's, um, you know, when you, especially if you become tight, I mean, you share energy. I mean, that makes you connected in ways that, you know, you're just not connected to people in a book club. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and for for many of us, our coven becomes the family we choose as opposed to the family right. that we were born with. And some covens that's not true. I mean, you know, that isn't that isn't always something you get. And so I I always tell people don't expect that. If you get it, you know, you're very lucky, but yeah, you know, if your family blows up, that's that's pretty painful. I mean, my first coven, that's the the coven was okay, but what what happened was, you know, I had already done my year and a day of training to become a high priestess and I was mm-hmm. waiting and waiting and waiting for my high priestess to feel like I was ready or she was ready for me to be ready or whatever it was. Um mm-hmm. and in the meanwhile, she got a boyfriend who didn't like me. And oh, there you go. Oh yeah. And she finally rather than saying to him, you know, Deborah's been a part of this group for you know, mm-hmm. six years and you just got here, you're gonna need right. to suck it up or not come or whatever, she said to me, I'm doing my best with this. I'm going to let him come to half the rituals and you come to half the rituals. Oh, yeah. And to me, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that was, I'm like, so you're saying I can only come to half the rituals? I'm not welcome to the rest of the rituals? And I I understood the difficult place that she was in. But for me, that was was the end. You know, I wasn't going to be a part of a coven. I was only welcome to come to half the time. You know, that's not how that works. You don't get to be magical half the time or welcome half the time. 
But I did. I actually did not go straight into another group. What I did was I I intended to start my own group, but I waited. I I basically was sort of listening for that inner voice that mm-hmm. said when it was right, and it took about nine months. Um, and in you know it was hard at the time. It was very lonely. I mean, I I always did solitary work because right. People who people who are coven witches, you know, usually, I, I would say ninety nine percent of the time also do solitary work. But to be right. on the you know on my own for the holidays, to not have mm-hmm. a group to celebrate with after all those years, was really horrible. And yet, I could tell that it was what I needed to do. Yeah. And when I finally started Blue Moon Circle, I had this idea in my head when I thought about. Well, you know what what my perfect coven would be, and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, you know, somewhere between like I don't know nine and thirteen people. The witches, you know, I've been part of the witchy community in my area for a long time. There were people I thought I wanted to practice with, which, in retrospect, that you know, they were people that probably were not a great fit. Um, mm-hmm. But what I ended up with was completely different from that. I ended up with two other women, neither of whom had ever been in a coven. They were both, like, literally lifelong solitaries. They'd both been practicing for most of their lives, but on their own because they'd never found a group that suited them, you know, and and they sort of had, had gotten to the point in their lives where they thought, well, okay, I'm just a solitary, that's fine. And they were people that I knew... Slightly. I didn't know them well. One of them worked at my local library. And, you know, we, we had talked enough right. to know that, you know, we were each witches. But, and, I, you know, we knew we liked, we liked each other, but that was it. And, um, and, you know, I said to each of them, hey, I'm thinking about starting a group. You know, what do you think? And they both said yes. And, you know, they were at my house on Sunday celebrating a slightly belated in bulk, you know, all these years later. So, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is try and keep an open mind. You know, don't don't make a lot of assumptions about what you think your coven's going to look like. Let let the gods and the universe help you find your way. I agree. And you you also do a really good thing in your book about um like general rules for a group. Um which is just a lot of it seems common sense, but but um people forget that everybody's public. Um you have oh, to be yeah. really careful. Uh and um I've seen people quit covens or quit groups. Um uh, because they were afraid that they would be outed or, or somebody made a mistake. It it um, is tricky because you know you, you, you don't forget. if if yeah it is easy to forget because when you're together in your private space everybody's very open about things. For me, with my first group, you know, I had this woman who worked in a library with children, and mm-hmm. she had to be cautious because. It, you know, it wasn't that the people she worked with would have an issue, but you know, they had to be concerned about the public face of things. Remember, this is you know, 2005, um, and and another one was a nurse, and you know, she wore a, a small, discreet pentacle around her neck all the time, so it wasn't a secret secret, but it also was not something she talked about. You know, she was not she she did not you know push it in people's faces and we had we had a college professor for a while you know we had a number of people who were in these public positions where they really were not comfortable being out of the broom closet uh, i mm-hmm. was i was very fortunate i mean i was running an artist cooperative shop where they sort of expected you to be a little odd um mm-hmm. and of course you know, once the first book came out, I, that's kind of you're out of the broom closet then, boy. If your name's on the front yeah. of a book, you know, people are going to know. Um, you know, I was you know, I was fine with that, but it is one of those things. And there's also, you know, the the issue of 
trust and privacy. I mean, people talk about things in circle that they right. may not share with anybody else in their entire lives. Right, that the and family doesn't know. Absolutely. Exactly. They may not tell their husband or their mother mm-hmm. or anybody else because it is safe space. And in order right. to keep it as safe space, people need to be able to trust that whatever they say in circle will stay in circle. And so, yes, sometimes it's a good idea to remind people of things like that because, you know, we're all tired and a little brain foggy and mm-hmm. and we get excited about stuff and sometimes we forget. And so, yeah, you know, I we used to, when we would let people come to the group who were not pagans, because we would. We would let what we called pagan-friendly folks come Uh a couple of times, like summer solstice, which we would use as sort of a time to have an open circle. Um, And I would actually have a handout that I would give to people who didn't practice all the time. And, you know, it took me a little while to come up with that because initially we just assumed everybody knew what the rules were. And, Uh And, you know, then we had somebody one time, we were in circle, we were in the middle of ritual, and I think she you know, had to go to the bathroom or something. She just mm-hmm. kind of walked out of circle. You know, know. She didn't, we hadn't talked about, oh, let us cut a hole in the circle so you don't right. disturb the energy. She right. just, you know, so the stuff that we assumed everybody knew, Mm-hmm. Everybody didn't know. So after a while, I stopped the something, and um, you know, I would say, okay, this is these are the rules. Turn your phone off and leave it out of the circle. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems like a no-brainer. It isn't always, you know. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's good to cover some of those basics. And, uh, you know, one of the other things I cover is, you know, because not everybody has the same rules, if you are going to start a group or if you're looking at joining a pre-existing group, you want to find out what the rules are. You either want to mm-hmm. sit down together if you're starting a group and say, well, what are our rules going to be? You know, mm-hmm. are we allowed to tell anybody else this group exists? You know, mm-hmm. are we allowed to bring guests? You know, that was mm-hmm. one of the things that became a point of contention for my group was that we had some people who wanted to be very private and not have people who were not included um right and others who wanted to bring their friends people who expressed an interest and right. you know we we found a compromise we said okay first of all if you want to bring a guest it's got to be somebody you know it can't just be mm-hmm. some random person who walked up to you on the street and said Hey, mm-hmm. I heard a rumor you were in a coven. Can I come visit? Because you can get a, right. a lot of strange people that way. Um, and we you would laugh also about that, say, but I had someone who would meet people at bookstores and just bring them, and that's that's mm-hmm. not knowing somebody. <laughs> exactly, and you don't necessarily have to know them well, but you have to have at least had a conversation. You know, I mean, right. I would have people when I when I ran my shop, people would see the books and they would say, oh. Oh, you're Deborah Blake. Um, you know, you have a coven. Can I can I come? And I say, well, mm-hmm. you know, my coven isn't open. We're we're partially open. We sometimes allow guests. You know, let's talk about what your idea of witchcraft is. Well, let's talk about what you're looking at. If you come mm-hmm. to visit our group, what are you? You know, what are you looking for out of that experience? And you know, sometimes you would be like, oh yeah, this person seems really cool. And sometimes you'd be like. Uh, no, I'm getting the not quite right vibe, um, mm-hmm. and and let's face it, there are many people who are interested in witchcraft who put off the not quite right vibe. Um, right. Some of them are not interested for the right reasons. Some of them right. think they're looking for something they're not looking for. Some of them are just not a good fit for whatever your group's energy is. Um, right. You know. The, gr- the the group that I started out with allowed anybody. It was a, it was it actually started out as a as a teaching group, which is which mm-hmm. was great. Um, but her intention was very different. Um, 
you know, we are, you know, we're reasonably closed these days, although we have, you know, added a couple of people in the last year or so, a couple of years, um, but they were people who came as guests and we went, yep, that mm-hmm. their energy works with ours, this seems okay, and everybody who was already in the group had to agree. That was one of our rules. If one person had said, no, I'm not feeling it, then that person, you know, the guest might have been able to still come as a guest, but they would not have been invited to join the group because that's, it's not fair. That's really good. Well, I have a a question to ask you because I'm interested. What is, because in your book you say you can have a coven for two people and then large covens. What do you think, because I have my own opinion, so what do you think (laughs) is a good size of coven? I've had cov- I think covens blow up when they get too big. Well, and and it depends on again what, what it is coven? you're looking yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, if you're like it, the the nearest big city to me is Binghamton, which is about an hour away, and what they have there is a bunch of smaller covens who get together often to celebrate the, the holidays as a larger sort of semi-cohesive unit. And we yeah, we used nice. to go up to, to Beltane when they would put it on. And there could be 60 people, but, mm-hmm. you know, different covens would be in charge of putting it on. It would be a little bit different every year. And then, you know, when they did smaller things, they broke up into smaller groups. You know, I think that's manageable as an event. It's not manageable as a as a ongoing coven for me i mean and this is again it's very much has to do with the people who are involved and a preference a personal preference but, right yeah you know, but blue moon circle at one point got to be i think at our largest we were maybe 11 people and what we decided eventually was that that was too big for us when a couple mm-hmm. of people left we said okay we're really happier being six or seven and Mm -hmm. like i said we started out as three and right now we're five or six depending on who can come i mean there are probably six people i would consider to be coven members including the daughter of one of our original members but Mm -hmm. it it is still very often three or four of us and for Mm -hmm. us that works we're a we're a much more intimate group i you know i know some people do really well with you know anywhere between you know 10 and 15 Mm -hmm. i think it really depends on how how the people interact how intimate you want to be how often you want to meet if you're only going to be doing holidays Maybe you can coordinate that many people's schedules once a month. The truth is we have a hard time, even with just five or six of us, finding a day that we can all get together just for the holidays. Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? You know, can we do 1 o'clock? Can we do 3 o'clock? We now have people who can't drive after dark, so we've shifted things to go earlier in the day. So, you know, it is very much an individual decision, and there's no right or wrong answer. I tend to have a preference for smaller groups because I think, with as with any other group, the fewer people you have, the easier it is to manage. I mean, I ran a shop that had 50 artists in it. It's like herding mm-hmm. cats. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> and, and I have five cats, so I know from herding cats. But, yeah, mm-hmm. trying to get 50 people aimed all in the same direction at the same time, especially if they're artists, um, you know, can be tricky. And the same with witches. Witches are all very independent, um, uh, you know, often have their own particular ideas of how they want to do things. And the more of that you have, the trickier it will be to keep the balance. Right, I agree, and I actually agree with you. I think the perfect number for me is nine or under. Um, yep. I just have seen when it gets to be fifteen, twenty, 
Um, first of all, people's houses usually can't accommodate it easily. And people get grumpy when they're crowded. Um, and yeah, that was like, why we uh, would let our summer solstice ritual be our open ritual because we could be outside around the absolutely. fire pit. And even then, I think the most we probably ever had was about 12 or 13. And at that point, you know, the other thing is, say you're passing something around the circle. You're doing some sort of ritual mm-hmm. that involves passing around the circle. If you have 30 people, the people who started out are pretty bored by the time you get to number Absolutely. 30. Unless you're chanting or drumming or doing something else that will keep you occupied. And, again, I've seen it work at, at these very large rituals. I mean, right. You know, Selena Fox – I is went to a, a number for Bridget at, yeah. rituals at Pantheacon yeah. when there was a Pantheacon, and we could have like a hundred people in that room. Mm-hmm. It still worked. It was mm-hmm. amazing, and in fact, the energy that could be raised by that many people, even assuming that some of them were not very well focused or were had scattered mm-hmm. brains or whatever, it was. It really was magical, and I think it's a wonderful thing if every once in a while you can get to one of these really large rituals because it isn't like anything else. I miss that. I miss that a lot. Um, you know, but on the other hand, as an ongoing thing as opposed to an event, it's very hard to manage, you know, Trying to trying to coordinate things, trying to figure out who's bringing what food to feast. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry, what? Um, so yeah, I think nine or under. You're you're right. That's sort of the sweet mm-hmm. spot, and and even then, you're still gonna. If you have nine people, you're gonna have to be fairly flexible about some things, and you're gonna have to have right. a space that's big enough to put nine people in. We meet right. when when we can't be outside. We're in my living room. We can pretty comfortably fit, say, five or six people in my living room. You get mm-hmm. over that, and all of a sudden, yeah, you know, you're poking somebody's eye as you turn to call the quarters. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It is. It does. It spaces, uh, you know, spaces. And, and a lot of us, um, uh, again, I uh, help coordinate a cup group, so we have, access to the sanctuary so for us when i have a style and i have 30 or 40 people there it's great because we have a big space but when i host something in my home you're right i have a really small house and so it's right makes, yeah uh, i mean i did a, a yule makes a difference ritual of what you can do. At, yeah at, at our at our local uu and we had 50 people it was amazing yeah. but but even then the sanctuary was pretty crowded and of course that was also pre-covid I don't particularly want to be in a sanctuary with 50 people right now. That's my right. comfort level for crowds is way less than it used to be. So, so there's there's you know that kind of practical thing to consider as well. How did your and that's interesting you bring that up. Um, how did your practice change? I mean the the COVID is still with us, but it's it absolutely not is. as crisis as it as it was. Well, you know, um, we missed we missed um we traditionally every year do a Yule dinner party. We do, you know, rituals for all of the other holidays. Right. But we for Yule, we had a dinner party so the one woman whose husband is not comfortable with witchcraft could still be included. We could invite a couple of friends. Uh and we ended up canceling it. This was the third year in a row. The first two years were COVID. This this last year was the flu. We had to cancel mm-hmm. Samhain because of COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah, we have met very sporadically. That was one of the things that actually inspired this book was that our practice, even when we managed to get together, it changed during COVID because we were cautious. We were all just so stressed and so frazzled and had no focus and so the few times that first year when you know we still didn't there was a lot we didn't know about it we met a Mm -hmm. few times where we could be outside six feet apart we wore masks Mm -hmm. 
we, you know, of course, did not pass a chalice around or anything right. like that. Um, and what we decided was that we didn't have the focus to do what we would normally consider to be a ritual. We didn't have the focus to call the quarters and invoke the gods and cast the circle. And so what I came up with was, you know, for these few times we managed to meet, something very simple. Maybe we'd light the fire pit and, you know, throw wishes into it or, you know, say a little spell. And then we'd have our feast and that was our that was our ritual. The fact that we were just able to be together. And that was one, the start of a change in how we practice. Now, when we got together for in bulk, we actually did call the quarters and things. But it's probably one of the few times we've done that since COVID started. We were we were all a little rusty, actually. We we're like, wait, which way is east? <laughs> and, Isn't that oh, funny? Oh, we, we forgot to. Yeah, we did all the things except we forgot to formally cast the circle. But yeah, we we practiced together for so long it doesn't matter and my whole house is sacred space after all these years but yeah i mean it was really tricky and you know we had to roll with the punches of you know planning ritual after ritual after ritual and having to cancel at the last minute cuz people were sick um you know and that is one of the downsides of having a small group is if you've got five people and three of them can't come, well... Yeah, you, you, know, you can't meet, yeah. Right. Well, that's how Blue Moon Circle got its name, is there were only three of us, so if one of us couldn't make it, we usually didn't get together, so we only met once in a blue moon that first oh, year or so. Oh, that's so funny. That is where that name came from. But, yeah, it it really did change our practice, and we all changed. None of us is the same as we were three years ago. You know, right. This... This has had a, a seismic shift in mm-hmm. how many of us view the world. And while the coven has become even more precious, than, we're also you know, having to be more careful. And we're having to, mm-hmm. to say, okay, you know, this person traveled, you know they're going to test two times before they come to right. ritual, and then and then we're all going to hold our breath. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been difficult. There's no question. Yeah. During the few um, years when COVID was at its at its peak, um, we did things per Zoom, which was an experience in itself. Uh, right. We had some advantages and disadvantages. Uh, one of the advantages is we had people from all over the country found out about it because it was a cup group and joined in. Um, but I, um, although I've seen people, Selena being the, a great example, of people who do ritual very well online, me not so much. I, I think that's a different skill set. Um, yeah, for, you all for ever me, consider online? I mean, I... I've done, I used to do witchcraft classes. You know, I would teach, Mm -hmm. and and I have a a Patreon, and at a certain level, fairly high up, I would do like a a monthly ritual for the folks who are at that level until Mm -hmm. it got to the point where like only one person was showing up and then it wasn't worth doing. And it worked okay. They, you know, the people who were on the receiving end got something out of it. I didn't get as much out of it as I would get in person. Um, and I don't know if that was just me or if it was the nature of you know, what I was doing, which was you know, basically giving something to other people without any real expectation of a mutual you know, getting things back. Mm-hmm. My group did not try and do Zoom, in part because... Um, we have one person who has literally no internet. Um, she's out in the middle of the boonies even further than I am, and she doesn't have cable. She doesn't, she doesn't have anything. Um, but it also just, again, we were having such a hard time focusing that I think we we really didn't even think that that was a, a possibility for us. We we could tell that that, that was more than we were going to be able to pull off. And, you know, we would – 
we just managed. I mean, it was hard. It was it was lonely. You know, I yeah. missed my coven so much. Yeah, I mean, that first year we did things when we could be outside. As soon as the weather got bad enough that we couldn't be outside anymore, that was it. You know, we didn't do – I think we did that first year. We might have done Samhain. I, I can't remember if the weather cooperated because in upstate New York sometimes – most years we're outside, not always. But we didn't do Yule. We didn't do Imbolc. I don't think we did spring equinox, and, you know, then when it warmed up again, we did a couple of things outside. But, uh, yeah, I mean, basically we, you know, except for, you know, in bulk last weekend, we haven't done inside rituals since this started. We've only gotten together when we could be outside, and that's a lot of missed rituals. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it changed, uh, yeah, it changed a lot. And what I have found, again, COVID is still with us, but um, oh, absolutely, people people feel safer getting together, um, even though many still wear masks. Um, I have found that people are hungry for community. I've had so many oh, people come to our cups group. People just don't care what you talk about. They just want to be with other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know we. You know, most of us are still very cautious, you know, in our everyday life. I I still right. wear a mask when I go to the grocery store or almost any place. You know, workmen have been in and out of my house for months, and I put a mask on when they walk into mm-hmm. the room. Um, you know, for, for better or for worse, three of the five people who were here this last weekend had COVID in the last two months. That people who had managed to escape it for three years finally got it, or they got yeah. their second go round or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of us tested ahead of time just to be on the safe side, but uh, yeah, we just we we decided to to just you know do our best. We you know there are some changes. I have a, a air filtration unit you know that I had uh, you know going on full bore, and. Of course, instead of passing a chalice, we had a, a pitcher, and I found just some really pretty Dixie cups. You know? Oh, and, that's you so know, cute. Yeah, I, I, I went on to you know, Amazon and found the prettiest Dixie cups I could find that looked sort of, they had feathers on them, so they had sort of that pagany feel. There you and go. So instead of passing a cup around, we just each got a little bit and toasted. And, you know, so the, things like that, I, I honestly don't see that changing any time in the foreseeable future. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I suspect at least for the next couple of years, that's going to be our our new thing, you know, is yeah. we'll do that instead of passing our, our chalice. But at least we were able to be together. And, you know, that, yeah, it, it really is a, a wonderful thing. And you, if you are used to being with, other witches in a group Mm -hmm. it is very lonely not to have that right right again that's what i have i have uh found so uh um yeah so it's been a a time i'll tell you something else that's really good that that your book does a really good job of that um that was mentioned in my class when, when everybody was looking at it lots of times um when people reach out to me and they want information, they usually want examples of rituals. Um, they can, you know, edit. They can create if they have a baseline. But they, right. but you do a really good job of, of not only Sabbaths, but uh, if I remember correctly, moons. Yeah, if I do full moons examples. in this. I didn't do the new moons in this as I did with the first one because we'd stopped doing them. I mean, I think I did a couple of I, – I might have done a couple of examples. Um, mm-hmm. It's been two years since I wrote this book. I don't remember what's in it. Um, yeah, I think there are, like, a, there are a couple of, of things. I, I do focus yeah. more on the full moon. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I liked about this, which was something that I sort of found out accidentally – I have a, a really good friend who lives out in California um, mm-hmm. who has been 
doing, and I talk about her in this book, she's been practicing with one other person as a group of two for Mm -hmm. many, many years. They met in a coven. They practiced in the coven together, and then when the coven split up, they Mm -hmm. kept practicing together. And they have, I would say, as much of a coven practice, just the two of them, as any coven that has, you know, five people or 10 people or 20 people. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really thought before she talked to me about this, about the idea that you could have a coven of two. That isn't right. that isn't really what we're until taught. I read your book. Right. And and I think that's really important for people who maybe only have one other person who they know who's a witch, who's interested, mm-hmm. or who maybe, you know, like my friend who practices with her daughter, you know, mm-hmm. you know, her her kids, I mean, they grew up in our coven. Um, and her son eventually sort of wandered away and decided he wasn't interested. And, um, you know, her husband still sometimes comes to the bigger rituals. He's he's pagan friendly. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it was it was one of those things where I thought, yes, if you have, and I do, I have known of people who practice with their significant other. They don't think mm-hmm. of themselves as a coven. They just are like, oh, yeah, I practice with my significant other. Well, maybe that mm-hmm. is a coven, if that's what you want to call it. You don't have right. to. But, but you know, my friend and her friend are absolutely, by any, you know, definition that I would consider to be a coven, they're a coven, other than the mm-hmm. fact that there's two of them. So I think if people want somebody to practice with and they're worried that they can't find a bunch of people, remember I started with two other people. There were literally three Mm -hmm. of us. And, yes, for holidays we invited witchy friends to join us. Full moons, it was just the three of us for a number of years. And it was some of the most powerful magical work I have ever done. You can yeah, get a lot of focus with right. a few people. Yeah, I think so too. So, yeah. so again, you know, that was one of the reasons why I wrote this book, not to replace Circle Covenant Grove, but as sort of an adjunct to it, as a continuation of the idea of coven practice, because I've I've learned a lot since then, and one of the things that I learned is that a coven can be anything you want it to be. It's, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be 13 people. It doesn't have to be all people who practice or believe exactly the same way. You know, I have more Wiccan leanings. The other two are very eclectic. Um, mm-hmm. One of them was actually a hereditary witch. She was taught by her grandmother. You don't mm-hmm. need a lot of those. Um, and so we just sort of, figured out which things we had in common and went with that. All right. Now, if folks want to find you, they go to your website. Give us your website again. Okay. So it is DeborahBlakeAuthor.com, and that's Deborah the Long Biblical Way, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. If you go online, if you Google me, I will show up. Apparently, there aren't a lot of famous Deborah Blakes, which is good. Um, but, you know, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, Instagram and is a, Deborah Blake author. Uh, the, mm-hmm. Facebook and, and Twitter are just Deborah Blake. I'm so boring and unimaginative. <laughs> you know, I, I have a Patreon. I have an Etsy shop for signed books and the jewelry I make and things like that. But all of those links are on my website. So if you go to com, you can find all of the other places where I am. All right. Well, any last words about your new book? Um, go out and buy it. I have a lot of cats to feed. Um, I, Absolutely. I, I highly guess, recommend it. It's really, really, really good. And again, it takes away that stigma of it has to be formal, it has to be, I mean, you someone could pick up this book and create their own group. And I guess the, you know, the last thing that, that I would say is 
if people have questions, they can find me online. I answer every email, every message. Uh, you know, I don't. Sometimes I don't have the answer to the question, or sometimes I say, "I'm sorry, this is a really complicated and in-depth question. Just go read the book." You know, that's that's more than I can just give you in the answer to an email. But if it's something, if you read something in the book and you you're confused, or if you have a question about covens or witchcraft or anything else, you know, I'm I'm out there and I'm accessible. You know, part of my being you know trained as a high priestess although i don't really call myself a high priestess anymore because my group's been together for so long we're all just equals um uh-huh. but for me part of that is a responsibility towards community at at large like selena has uh-huh. so, although although not nearly on the level that she takes it to you know she's she's a goddess among women and i would never Absolutely. aspire to selena hood um but yeah you know if if people have questions, come find me or, you know, look in my other books. You know, as we said at the beginning, I have a lot of books out there. And, you know, they're not all on Coven. So if you have other witchcraft questions, you know, check out things like The Goddesses in the Details or Everyday Witchcraft, which talk mm-hmm. about integrating your witchcraft practices and beliefs with your everyday life. Um, and And just... Go into it with an open mind and an open heart, and you'll be fine. All right. And I wanted to tell you something that I really enjoyed that I'm going to be doing soon is I loved your tea ceremony for two. Oh, thank you. That's actually not my tea ceremony. That's my friend Lisa's tea ceremony. Well, I can't even you take tell credit her, I'm for it. Her, I'm, glad. I'm glad you included it. It was really clever. And so I will be... I will be doing that. Well, I have probably all your books, and I think you're a wonderful author. So what's up next for you? Do you have an idea of your next book? Well, I've I've already turned in two more to Llewellyn. Um, that is so I have, um Llewellyn has their wonderful little little book series, the Llewellyn's mm-hmm. Little Book of. So they had me write the Little Book of Witchcraft. I don't know why they thought that would be appropriate for me. Um, and so that will be out, I think, in September. And uh, the book that came out last year was the Eclectic Witches Book of Shadows, which people really, really loved. And we put mm-hmm. out this beautiful hardcover that had my first hardcover. I was so excited. And it had all of these pages where people could add their own wisdom and oh, the things that nice. they did. It was great, except... Because it's so beautiful and a hardcover, nobody wanted to write in it. Oh, that's funny. So, so I'm making. I, I have finished a, a companion book. I don't know what we're going if we're going to call it a. I don't think we're going to call it a workbook. I, we may call it a companion book, but basically, mm-hmm. it's a book that goes along with the eclectic, which is Book of Shadows, that they can write in and add their own things, and it has more information that sort of goes with what's in the Book of Shadows. Um, so that will be out in early Call it a what's next year, 2024. Um, and next up I am going to be working on Llewellyn's Little Book of Spellcraft, which um, should actually be a lot of fun because, you know, spellcrafting is, is cool. Well, I then uh, invite you back, and you'll have to keep us updated, and we won't have to stay away from you as long as we have before. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yeah, September, I believe, is the next one. So, yes, check check with Marcus, my wonderful uh, Llewellyn you know, publicist. Absolutely. He'll, he'll give you, he'll give you the, the, the scoop, and I would love to come back because I always have a great time talking to you. Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, um, I'm just real excited, and I encourage everyone. And you can get this book at uh, www.llewellyn.com uh, and um, Amazon and other bookstores. And But I encourage you to go to Deborah's site and see what all she has. So, again, thank you so much, Deb. Thank you. Besides Deborah, I want to thank our Steve, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, 
for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, or CSNP. Our next show will be on March 7th, and we'll be talking with Phoenix Silverstar of her new book, Spells from Scratch, How to Craft Spells at Work. And many of you will know Phoenix because she is a presenter at PSG, and you may have attended her workshop. So I'm very excited to talk with her. I look forward to being with all of you all again, so please come back. Good night, everyone, and blessed be.